Welcome to this edition of Diverse Thinkers Podcast. We are lucky to have Josh Arnold, who's a class of 2001, with us sitting in my office today. I am Craig Gamble, head of school, and we are going to be talking about Josh's past, present, and future. So welcome, Josh. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. This is fun. Yeah, so t- what have you been up to, Josh? You graduated in 2001, and there's this chasm, 17 years between <laughs> oh my when you graduated from here and where you sit today as a Wolfboro resident. Tell us what you've been up to. Wow, it's uh, hard to believe it's actually been that long, hearing it said back to me, 17 years, holy smokes. <laughs> um, been on. It's been quite the journey. Um, I have... Went to, uh, after Brewster, went to Wheaton College, um, had an amazing experience there, and did a lot of traveling. Got to, um, I actually worked for this traveling recycling company for a really long time. We went on the on the road and did a lot of uh, music festivals. We'd set up like a recycling and environmental education infrastructure at these festivals. And so had a lot of fun with that for about six consecutive summers. Um, and then came home um actually around 2006 back here to Wolfboro and started a little organization called Gala which we just celebrated our uh, 10-year anniversary amazing amazing so tell us about Gala sure um well we started off here in town just doing uh like a farmer's market and some community garden projects we did workshops at the library or study circles and film screenings and you know, like all sort of good community efforts, it started with a potluck, just bringing some people together around food and kind of just putting the question out there, like, how can we do better? Like, you know, or how can we, um, yeah, like make a positive change. And so what does GALA mean? Global Awareness, Local Action is nice. what it stands for. Um, a lot of people in our group were really moved by that bumper sticker, Think Globally, Act Locally. Mm-hmm. And so the name stuck. We also like the little play on words. Gala is like a celebratory, you know, uh, a nod to playfulness and celebration. And we like that. So has this been all play for you or did you have a plan? (laughs) And it was just, did you know this was going to be your work or did it just kind of one thing lead to another? Yeah, I I often um, kind of describe myself as like an accidental director of this nonprofit because, no, it was not the plan. (laughs) Um, In fact, I was... Um, when I moved back to Wolfboro, I was, you know, I had school loans to pay off. So I was waiting tables, landscaping, and but really wanted some more to be involved in some, some meaning and purpose. And so started this just as a volunteer thing. But it really took off and it, it was clear that there was a readiness in the community. And um, um, I was honored to kind of help convene this group of people and... Um, and then all of a sudden it's been 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it kind of morphed into, um, we got a stipend at first, we started getting some funding, and then I, it became my full-time um, job about four or five years ago. And I'm very interested in, in, in that in that arc, uh, how it became a full-time job and how you've developed these the skills and habits that you need in order to be a successful leader and organizer, particularly given that you're a bit of a unicorn around here. If we can be honest, I spend a lot of time in the community with local leaders, and most of them are septuagenarians. Most of them are, are collecting 
uh, Social Security, and you were 10 years ago this young puppy. And uh, what was that like? Right, a puppy and a unicorn. And I like this. Um, yeah, I had this uh, little sign um, on a windowsill that said, always be yourself unless you can be a unicorn. Then always be a unicorn. So I think it fits. Good. So you actually were yourself as a unicorn. <laughs> yes. And and I was at an event just this past summer at, at a mutual friend's house. And I was the second youngest member of that collection. This is where you and I met. And we had this, this aha moment that we had a lot of shared interests. That's right. And you were by far the youngest by, by maybe 20 years. And yeah. I'm, I'm really interested yeah. in the... In, in, what it's like to lead uh, in, in a town like Wolfboro and how, how it feels to really be an agent of change in a place that, that in many ways has as its stock and trade the notion that nothing ever changes in Wolfboro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think what, what actually drew me back, so when I was traveling, as I mentioned, I was kind of visiting towns you know throughout the country like that were you know university towns that were pretty you know hip whether it was like boulder or humboldt or you know burlington and and they had all these this vibrancy and um you know dynamism kind of that i really loved and was drawn to and almost like decided to set roots there because i found that sense of community and belonging and and um excitement um but felt this kind of, I don't want to call it obligation, but I guess I, I, I really, I do feel at home here. Like whatever in my cellular makeup, you know, the, the geography, the landscape, the air, the, the changing seasons, I really feel rooted here. And so I, I really wanted both. And so I decided, well, if, <clears throat> if I can't, if I'm not going to relocate in one of these towns where it already exists, you know, why don't I see if I can help cultivate it back home where I feel rooted, rooted. Um, and I think for me, like, you know, I want to acknowledge the, the privileges that I had of having, you know, um, you know, some connections here that helped me get started and get the ball rolling. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to, you know, that your, your neighbor is the town clerk and, you know, your, your, um, whatever other mentor is the librarian. I mean, just some like relationships already embedded that really helped get this started. Well, how about Brewster? You were a Brewster student. You started here in the fall of 1996. Yes. Wow. Uh, 98. Fall of 1998. Sorry. So my math is not so strong today, but what was it like coming to Brewster? Yeah. So I, um, was a day student, day student lifer, um, and it was it was huge for me. I mean, Brewster was a pretty big decision for my family. For one, um, um, I did I was a um, student at Kingswood Junior High and Madison Elementary School, so I did some moving, you know, around. Um, and the decision to go to Brewster was no doubt one of um, the most important in kind of shaping, I think, the direction for me. And I can elaborate on that a little bit. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, for one, the diver- the diversity of the student body was huge. Um, 
just to be in relationship and in community with um, peers who had different life experiences and came from different places and different religions and, um, you know, who looked different than me and all these things was a real um, a powerful thing for um, a person who, who grew up here in New Hampshire, which is, you know, one of the whitest states in, in the country. Um, and I, I want to also say to that that that's changing. Um, I think sometimes when we say, you know, New Hampshire's the whitest state, it really excludes a lot of people and and, and um, the changing demographics of our of our state. Um, but I, you know, for me, that was a huge, a huge part of my, you know, high school experience was that diversity. And, and tell me this, so that's, this is very interesting to me because what you, uh, what you are all about and what Gala is all about is global awareness and local action. So could it be that the first two words in the Gala acronym came some from being in this place and being around people from other parts of the world? Without a doubt. And how about, yeah, without a doubt. And how about the adults? Did you yeah. have anybody who, who really got you thinking expansively? You're clearly an expansive oh, yeah. thinker. Does anybody nourish that for you oh, yeah. when you were here? Yeah, for sure. So um, let's see, a few, uh, I mean, I won't be able to name them all, but um, Mary Fallon, uh, my English teacher, was really pivotal in, in my um, experience here at Brewster. Um, I was one of the you know lucky students who got to analyze um, uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, the documentary. <laughs> that was quite the um, project. Also, um, um, Philip Huss, I think it was, um, was an English teacher, uh, history and English. <laughs> um, but I think introduced me to, um, you know, Thoreau and, you know, Yeats, Longfelt, like all, a lot of... Um, nature writing that I, you know, was unexposed to before and got me inquiring too about my relationship with the land. Um, also, uh, Brett Morrison was my either freshman or sophomore history teacher. And I remember just really appreciating the critical lens on sort of the, the narrative that is told to us and how we understand history, like the stories that are passed on and, and um, how power dynamics um, impact history in, in the way that we understand our past. Um, so, yeah, and also Bruce Goral and Shadow Goral. I mean, the, the library was, you know, a spot I would frequent and, you know, um, felt nourished and supported there. And Shadow and um, John Sandine were a big part of that. And Bruce actually got me um, doing the grease car. Um, so he and I together converted our vehicles to run on waste vegetable oil. And we still, to this day, connect over it. Like, you know, he'll bring, I have this filtering system and he'll bring grease over. Or, um, yeah, so that was pretty fun. Are you still running uh, a grease vehicle? Yes, we have a little fleet, a little grease fleet. <laughs> really? What's your favorite yeah. kind of grease to use? In a, it, it, would it be kind of post-French fry grease, would you say? Or? Actually, the, the Chinese food grease is the premium. Yeah, that's the high test mm -hmm. for sure when it comes to waste vegetable oil. So right now we're collecting from the dairy bar on Route 16. It's more convenience. Mm -hmm. The grease is subpar, but it works for now. 
Good. Well, I'm glad you're, you're finding, you're sourcing some good grease. If we can help you out in that way, please <laughs> let us know. So, so let's talk about today. You know, what's, what, what's the vibe you're getting about Brewster today? And what are you thinking about? What's, uh, what's it get you thinking about? I am super excited about where Brewster's at today. I had this phenomenal tour um, last week with, help me remember, who was with the maker, uh, two. Oh, uh, Chris and Wes? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, gave me a quick tour of some of their makerspace, you know, prototypes and some of the, you know, 3D printing machines, but more about like, yeah, they're learning about the escape room and like some fun projects that they've been doing with students around the kind of maker movement. And that's, as you know, the same direction that Gala is headed. So we are developing a makerspace right in Wolfboro. And I'm just really excited about the future you know, collaboration that's possible in that realm. Um, I think it's endless. And I think, you know, a, an emphasis on creativity and imagination and like really kind of like em embodying like the questions, like living with the questions, um, I think is, is a powerful place to be. And, um, like I can see a lot of collaboration, um, not just between Brewster and Gala, but you know, within the, the makers, like across mediums, mm -hmm. um, I, I just get giddy excited about about the possibilities of that and not just um, for like the products in and of them themselves like the widgets let's say but also the ways that maker spaces can be um, sort of problem solvers for communities um, I saw a really cool maker space that the the town posed this challenge where they were experiencing pe people were putting grease down the city drains for example and we're back it was, to grease again aren't we yeah uh, back to grease sorry <laughs> <laughs> and um it was clogging the the system right and um they put it to their local makerspace like help us figure out this challenge how we can build public awareness about the harms of putting grease down the city drains and a youth um faction of this makerspace designed this really cool stencil that the town then let them stencil all the drains and it you know it was more clever than you know don't put grease down here you know it was something um catchy and fun and made a difference but it was a a really like tangible way that a makerspace could help um, address a municipal you know challenge or a community challenge i thought that was exciting well, it's, it's very, it is exciting. And we have this, uh, this concept that you floated just last week sitting in this very space about, about the, the makerspace ecosystem in town yeah. and how you're interested in nurturing it. And we had agreed that we, we'd love to nurture that space together. And I'm, I'm wondering, as, as you look at this broader ecosystem at Brewster and at Wolfboro, what, what advice do you have for me? You've been at this local action thing for longer and I feel like I, I am becoming more and more involved in more and more things in town and, and the boundaries between school and town are kind of gone almost entirely in my mind. I think about problems to be solved as being about those that improve, you know, kind of human experience and not about those things that improve Brewster. So I wonder if you have any advice for me. Hmm. Um. I guess, you know, I think there is something about, you know, organizing or being an agent of change in rural community, which um, 
kind of centers relationships. I mean, maybe that is true for the case um, anywhere. Um, it doesn't have to be a rural or urban thing. But I know um, my wife and I are pretty involved in um, a group in Ossipi called Ossipi Listens. And the whole objective really is just to help strengthen and improve civic culture. And, like, you know, it sounds so simple, like the idea of, like, helping us learn how to have conversations across difference, you know, and like di with divergent points of view and just to like exercise that uh, our capacity to be in dialogue um, with, you know, um, many views around the table. And, you know, the importance of, of listening and kind of engaging in a way where the, the goal is to build understanding as opposed to, um, you know, prove a point or, or, you know, have an agenda, but really just to, f you know, focus on the, like, building that, like, the understanding piece um, across the table. And, um, you know, I, I suspect that you and the Brewster team already do that. Um, so it's not really advice as much as, you know, I, I think that's a real important um, focus. Yeah. I hear it. Yeah. Thank you. That's actually really good to keep in mind. And and as we're as we're wrapping this up, tell me, you know, when you're getting out of bed in the morning, what what are you most excited about? What's what's the project or the idea, or if you're out splitting wood, you know, what is it that you're thinking about? What's on your brain? Well, right now it's a lot around the makerspace um, on Bay Street, um, but I think, um, yeah, you know, I. I think I mentioned also live and have lived in an old Grange Hall for um, about yeah about ten years um, in Ossipi and a really cool it's a historic building it's on the state registry there was a general store on the first floor and then this Grange Hall meeting space on the second floor just the gem of an old you know community meeting space and my wife Molly and I just moved out of that which opens up the possibilities for this building and. I'm just so excited about um, the way that this place can be an anchor for people to find community. I think there's, um, I think there's this kind of human draw to have that sense of belonging and have a, a space to go to that you can, you know, get the get the latest, meet someone new, but also like catch up with you know someone existing kin, you know. Um, there's a, a concept called third places. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I think like this Grange Hall could be a, can be a third place for a lot of people. And I think when isolation is such a, a real thing that's like threatening people's well-being, I think the more of these kind of third places, the better. So I get, I'm getting really excited now that we're moving out that all of a sudden there's this, um, possibility with that space. And just last night we were... Um, donated, um, uh, we're kind of on long-term loan here, and a uh, brick-fired pizza oven. So I tested it out last night and made a pizza in there. And I think that was loaned from a mutual friend, maybe, you, right? Yes, you got it, Dave, Dave Newfeld. Dave Newfeld. Dave Newfeld. Um, and so we tried out a pizza last night. I threw in an English muffin there this morning, and it was still about 300, 400 degrees in there. But I'm excited about hosting some pizza nights. Uh, community pizza nights. I mean, I think the more things we can do to just bring people together and around food is always a great way to do that. Um, 
the, the better we'll do at this building that understanding and those relationships, mm-hmm. which, which then I think are are the capacity for the the um, you know healthy civic culture. Well, we are lucky to have you in town. I am lucky to count you as a graduate of this fine school. I think as as at the end of uh, Casablanca, uh, the the inspector is walking down the runway with Bogart, and he says, "This is the start of a beautiful relationship." So, yes. here's to that. Here's to that. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for being here, and thank you, listeners, for listening.